This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the Irish rugby team is currently ranked number one in the world. France ranked number two. And on Saturday at the Aviva Stadium, they played one hell of a game. It was fantastic sport, even if you didn't understand fully what rugby is about. And I don't entirely, but I always watch the Irish rugby team, have done for years, because they are such a great team and they have so many brilliant individuals and have had for a long time. This is a World Cup year. The World Cup is being held in France. Uh, so Saturday's game at Aviva had huge significance. And we're joined now. It's a pleasure to welcome Jerry Thornley, Irish Times rugby correspondent to the stand. Uh, Jerry, as you said in your introductory paragraph in your piece in the paper today, it's very good. If it was hard not to overhype this meeting of the world's top two ranked sides beforehand, how on earth do you do this game justice afterwards? It was a marvellous game, great sport, and of course Ireland won 32-19. That scoreline as such it wasn't telling the whole story because there were times in the match when France looked like they could nick it. Yeah, I mean, it was a six-point game entering the last ten minutes, despite the fact that Ireland dominated for long stretches. One of the most extraordinary statistics aiming out of the matches that Ireland spent over nine minutes in the French 22, whereas France uh, spent 57 seconds in the Irish 22. Incredible. But they were very much living off their wits' ends, France. They scored one wonderful try from 85 metres out through Damien Penno, who is just has been for years the best right winger in the world and they can do that with that Jalanche offload but that ultimately was the only try they scored and it was, wasn't like they ever got over the line apart from that and whereas Ireland not only scored four tries to one but were over the line on another four occasions it could have been a bigger win as well I mean it was it's an extraordinary game to think that it was 32-19 it could easily been 46-32 or something like that because there was some wonderful last defending there were so many instances seemed to be so many broken balls and broken play lucky bounces here and there uh, it was just wild and full of ambition from both sides almost surprisingly so from France in the first half they normally kick from their own half continuously they actually scored their try and played a lot of rugby in their own half um, Ireland are if nothing else a fearless team when it comes to executing their game plan and just going for it and they they just ultimately they were fitter fresher and more cohesive all the things I thought they might be going into the game I proved so ultimately um, and they have a capacity Eamon to play fatigued yes. very well their skill set in the last 10 minutes they've shown it both against Wales now 
and against France. In both games, they scored their fourth try entering the last 10 minutes through multi-phase attacks. That was a 19-phase attack that culminated in Galen Doris's wonderful pass of one of many wonderful things he did as a standout yes. performer in a great match. And Gary Reynolds' finish um, beating three French players. It was a, not unlike the, the Irish try in Cardiff that sealed them. It was like the boxers just being out in the ropes, just giving in. They just couldn't take anymore. It's uh, it's an ex- it's extraordinary performance, extraordinary finish to I think probably the as good a Six Nations game as I've ever seen. Eamon, to be honest, in that ground. Yes, and as you pointed out in your piece in the Irish Times this morning, Johnny Sexton, who is a great player, a leader, and the main man for Ireland left the, f- the pitch in the 49th minute. So half an hour had to be played without this great player. And he is such an influence in determining the nature and shape and angles of Ireland's attack. He pulls the strings, he orchestrates. Even when he's not on the ball, he's barking. Matt Williams yes. did a brilliant piece on Virgin TV before the Wales game, showing and pointing where they were to go, even if he wasn't involved in the move. As Jemison Gibson Park once said to me, he see, he's, Johnny Sexton sees things in the pitch that just nobody else sees. We are blessed to have him at 37 years of age that he's looked after his body so well and yet is a fearless tackler and a brave player as well. He's a genius. He probably will go down as Ireland's greatest ever rugby player, depending on what else we achieve this year. Um, and yet, um, and I think he... We, we'll never really appreciate how profound his influence is on this team. There are a couple of very few, very special players, people, leading yes. a very special team here. And, you know, Andy Farrell falls into that category. Paul O'Connell falls into that category. And obviously, Johnny Sexton falls into that category. He embodies the fearlessness of the approach this team takes. He's the ultimate um, take a penalty to the corner. He'll always roll the dice. That's his natural inclination. With with age, he's becoming more and more positive. And uh, that being said, for Ireland to win this game without four ever present starters in the Lions Test in the sorry in the Irish Test series win in New Zealand, no Dan Sheehan, no Tyke Furlong, no Robbie Henshaw, no Jameson Gibson Park, then losing Sexton in the 49th minute. Um, Ross Byrne doesn't have the footwork pace line thread of Joey Carby, but he perhaps slots into that system more seamlessly. And he certainly, it it was a very seamless transition with Byrne there. They played a very clever, pragmatic second half in that they kicked the ball in behind the French. Hugo Keenan's 50-22. They ultimately dominated France territory in the second half, played like a team that was at home and up six points. And I think ultimately the 13-point win was a fair reflection of um, their supremacy on the day. In fact, it could have been more, but I'm glad it wasn't. Yes, that 50-20 kick seemed to me to be a turning point. First of all, it was so brilliantly executed uh, because it had to be very, very precise. Uh, You might explain to our non-rugby listeners the significance of a 50-20 kick because even though you put it out, your team puts it out of play, you get the put in. Uh, and in this case, it was about 10 yards from the French line. And Hugo Keenan had a great game anyway. I mean, oh. I, I'd never heard of him before Saturday. Now, I've been following Irish rugby, uh, just to put a context on it, Jerry, since the days of Ronald Garrett, Paul O'Connell, and Brian O'Driscoll, of course. These are great players from, you know, not so long ago. But there's something new uh, about this present crop of players, isn't there, in terms of their attitude? And it showed yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. Well, firstly, the 50-22 was brought in at the start of last season by World Rugby 
um, as a means of forcing teams to maybe have players in the backfield so it would free up more attacking space on the, on the, on the front line, right. as it were. So but whereby if the team, if you get the ball inside your own half from the opposition, you don't bring it over the halfway line yourself, but you get it from the opposition, Roman Entomac just kicked Lon off a line out and it fell to Ireland, I think it was low passed inside to Keenan. If you are inside your own halfway line and you find touch in the opposition 22 with the ball bouncing into touch, you get the throw in. So it's become a very new weapon in the game and it's kind of keeping defences a little bit more honest because they have to cover wingers have to cover the backfield now as well and Keenan executed it brilliantly like he's done everything now in two games in a row I don't know I think he started something like uh, 19 of Ireland's last 21 tests um, at fullback. He's been rested for two games against Italy and Fiji. He plays 80 minutes every time. He almost never, ever, ever makes a mistake. In Cardiff, they bombarded him in the air and he caught everything, which, to put it in a football analogy view, it's a bit like having Peter Schmeichel in goal at the back. Yes. You've got somebody so dependable, particularly away from home, closed roof, 67,000 people. If Hugo Keenan drops one or two of those balls, it gets the crowd into the game, it gets Wales into the game, it increases the aerial bombardment, but he just dealt with everything. And his try showed what an increased attacking threat he's becoming. Like, it was a beautifully executed move with Phelan's disguise pass to Conor Murray on the loop and then feeding uh, Hugo Keenan coming back in the inside. It's a reworking of an old move going back to Joe Schmidt's days with uh, Leinster against Claremont in the semi-final in 2013. And Keenan had options to his left and right but backed himself, pinned his ears back to go to, and not risk an intercept by going between uh, Romain Entomac and Thomas Ramos for a wonderful finish. And uh, it's good to see him again if I get that something like that, a bit like Ringrose as well at the end because they've been such star performers for this team and Keenan just gets better and better and better. Um, and then Ringrose at the end just get his... He deserves it because he's been such an important player to the team and has been playing such fantastic rugby this season. But he hasn't had that kind of moment of glory. So for him to beat three French players and score that magnificent try at the end to seal the bonus point was fitting reward for him, I thought. You're right, as well as Sexton at the helm at uh, 37 years of age, there's a new breed of player coming through the system now. You watch the Irish under-20s and Ireland have got some big forwards in the under-20 levels with great skill set. Right. Um, really good hand-eye coordination, able, can offload the ball, pass the ball. And also, as they showed again on Saturday with Caelan Doris and players like that, fantastic footwork. So, yes. you know, you're coming up to face a player and you've got the footwork to go left or right. You'll either get a soft shoulder and make it easy to get over the gain line or maybe make an offload or whatever, or make a clean break. And it's it means that a smaller team like Ireland, and they are smaller than a team like France with a big juggernaut pack, they can win the collisions because they've got that footwork. And it's just, there's a lot of people in Irish rugby doing an awful lot of great work from yes. mini rugby's all the way up. Um, def definitely the strongest conveyor belt of talent is coming through Leinster and particularly the school system. There's no getting away from that. But it is remarkable to think, as you said at the start of this, Eamon, let's not forget rugby is the fourth team sport on a small little island like Ireland. And last Saturday, absolutely reaffirmed that Ireland currently has the best rugby team in the world like never before. It's quite extraordinary. It's almost, it's almost scary sitting on the mountaintop like this. Yes, and we beat New Zealand twice in test matches, I think, last summer. It, it, it's remarkable. I want to ask you about this journey Irish rugby has taken. I mean, did it begin with, uh, or was it accelerated, should we say, with the Ronan O'Gara Paul O'Connell team, Brian O'Driscoll, of course, who is such a, a great 
figure in the game of rugby and such a great hero. Was that when it really began to, it seems as if, as you said, there is a, a conveyor belt of players like, who's James Lowe? I mean, he scored a miraculous try. Uh, and I followed the Irish team. I watched the matches. I'd rather watch it than the Premier League, to be honest, most of the time. I mean, he scored a brilliant try just when Ireland needed it on Saturday. I'd never, and I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of Tom O'Toole, who seemed to me to be all over the place uh, and breaking tackles and doing amazing things. Uh, where do, you, where those young guys inspired, do you think, by O'Gara, by uh, O'Driscoll, uh, Paul O'Connell? I think the best, Leinster are now the dominant force in Irish rugby and are probably the best team in Europe and are four-time winners of the Heineken Champions Cup and yes. are now, you know, prime contenders to win it again. They've secured home advantage potentially all the way to the final, which is in the Aviva. They're due that fifth star. They are the dominant force in Irish rugby. They've had the They've had they've they've had Munster now for the last few. I think they've won ten of the last or eleven of the last twelve meetings. They're very much a dominant force, but in many ways they wouldn't be where they are now were it not for Munster to begin with. Yes. I think you're right. I think that team, the Munster team that made like let's not forget Ulster won the Heineken Cup or European Cup in nineteen ninety nine. But the Munster team that took off in the noughties by reaching the final in two thousand two thousand and two and kind of had this magnificent obsession or holy grail to win in Europe and it looked like it would never happen then maybe as Declan Kinney said you had to lose two to win two and they won it in 2006 and 2008 um, that was founded very much on the clubs in Limerick and Cork Cork Constitution Shannon Young Munster Gary Owen dominating the AIL in the 90s which lest we forget for our younger listeners was a very poor decade indeed for Irish rugby I think Ireland, I think Ireland won more Six Nations games in Cardiff in the 90s than they did in Dublin I yes. mean, it was a, I think the, it wasn't a great decade at all the, Ireland were very much the Italy of the noughties and 2010s when in the 90s so that was the turning point for me and O'Driscoll's hat-trick in Paris obviously along came in this global yes. superstar uh, he was the at one point, he was the most famous player in the world. He got a ridiculous drive the Lions and the Gabba um, against Australia. And at that point, he was probably the most famous player in the world. So heaven knows how many of these young players were inspired by the deeds of first those Munster players, then those Irish Leinster players. And 2009 was like, um, do you remember Wenger used to talk about the change of the balance of power at Manchester yes. United? Yes. When Leinster won that game in 2009, the semi-final against Munster, it marked a change in the balance of power and they've been the dominant force right. ever since. And they've got this great feeder system from their schools, which they supplement with some wonderful players through the junior club's ranks as well, like Shane Horgan, Sean O'Brien, Tyke Furlon. This kid, Jamie Osborne, is going to be very good coming through from NACE. Um, and then they supplement it with very astute acquisitions from abroad, like James Lowe and Jemison Gibson Park and Bundyaki. I think it's safe to say that Bundyaki, they're all New Zealanders, Eamon, and Bundyaki yes. probably would have played for the All Blacks. But I doubt very much James Lowe would have done, and I doubt very much that Jemison Gibson Park would have done. Right. And Jemison Gibson Park, I mean, Conor Murray, fair play to him the last couple of games, has been sensational, given what he went through last week with the, the serious crash that his father was involved on a bike with a lorry, like and being yes. in hospital, and then with his mum and his sister saying, no, you got to play. He, he, I'm sure they told him that they, that's why he played. I don't know this, but I'm sure that's why he played, that he was told by the family that his dad, Jerry, that's what he would have wanted. And yes. You know, prayers with Jerry uh, Murray and hopefully he gets well and the, the, and the Murrays have an even better week this week. You know what I mean? But yes, that, of course. But Gibson Park has become the heartbeat of the team. and He's improved beyond bounds in the Leinster system. You know, 
the IRV were very clever, and David Newsom were very clever. There was a, so a, a, a perceived to be a failed English coaching ticket in 2015 after England went out in the pool stage of the World Cup they were hosting. Stuart Lancaster helped revolutionise um, Leinster. Andy Farrell came in as an Ireland defence coach and is now the head coach, like I said, a very special human being who made his debut for Wigan at 16 and just understands rugby and has an emotional intelligence like very few people around. And then you've got Mike Cat, part of that coaching ticket, who's now the backs coach with Ireland. And you've got Graham Roundtree, who's the forwards coach, who's now the head coach. So they've been very clever in their coaching appointments over the years. When you think of Joe Schmidt, Michael Checa, so forth, um, Leinster particularly, but all of the provinces. And they brought in good players and made them better. Like James Lowe is now a much better player than he would have been had he stayed in the New Zealand system. Right. And that tells us multitude about the Leinster system and the Irish system, the coaching standards, the quality of training and the players coming through. So that they Lowe is now like a... A huge figure in this Irish team. They get the ball wide to him on the left with that left foot of his and he can do damage. He always keeps the ball in play. He's capable of a spectacular finish like that one, even if his trading foot probably did brush the grass over the touchline. It's still a try, ultimately. And he has an offloading game of strength and power. And you've got Matt Hansen side by Connacht, who's from Australia with an Irish mum. And he comes through the system and he's, he punches way above his weight. He's got X-Factor. So there's many component parts into this story, Eamon, and it's just... Touch wood, they've got so much of it right. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, Jerry, let me ask you about a, a period in Irish rugby of six years to, from 2013, I think, to 2019. Joe Schmidt, a New Zealander, uh, was the coach. And it was said that he could walk on water. He certainly seemed a very nice man. Um, I read his book, which wasn't much good. He didn't, he didn't seem to tell. Sorry, uh, he'll be, he'll be in New Zealand. He'll never know I said that. But the, the point is he wasn't given much away. And there was no. an, aura, there was an aura about Joe Schmidt. But was the rugby, uh, has he contributed? Uh, did his six year spell or thereabouts help the progress or not? Oh God, absolutely. Tell us why. I mean, one of my colleagues did write that Joe Schmidt left Irish rugby in exactly this place he found it. He absolutely did not. Right. He performed almost a lobotomy collectively on both Leinster and Ireland. As Johnny Sexton once put it, and this is just the best way of putting it, Eamon, Joe taught us how to win. Right. Like, our Leinster and Irish teams became comfortable as being favourites. They had remarkably high standards. Um, one of the trademark legacies that's lived on with this team is what's called the two-man clear-out. One, one player carries into tackle, two are quickly there on the shoulder, clear out the ball, and that leads another 12 players on their feet to continue. The, the, it, the accuracy of those two-man clear-outs was just sensational. It was a rock upon which the our Leinster and Irish success was geared. Like, he won, he helped Leinster win, was it? two Heineken Cups and a Challenge Cup and three Pro 12 titles in three seasons. Okay. He guided Ireland to two Six Nations titles and a Grand Slam. The problem, unfortunately, was that come 2019, um, we can safely say it now in hindsight, looking back, that the team just did not develop. Right. And if you stand still in any sport, Eamon, what happens? Yes. You get overtaken. Of and that's And also, by achieving so much in 2018, Opposition coaches and teams analysed us to death and worked out ways to beat us, starting with England in the first game of the Six Nations. Ireland have just had a stellar 2018 and are carrying on in 2019 because they are still evolving. Um, because Andy Farrell has brought, so he's worked on the foundations left by Joe Schmidt and he's added layers, particularly in attack. There are so much, Every this team can hurt you with the kicking game. This team can hurt you with the pick and go, with one-off carries, like taking on your power game. But they can also go wide and, and do so very effectively. And they do it with a way where a player gets the ball, he's got a receiver on his inside and his outside, and he can also have the option of pulling the ball out the back. It's, I would, I say they must be a nightmare to defend against, both Leinster and Ireland. They're not dissimilar because the work rate off the ball is staggering and there's just no second guessing what they're going to do next. So there's a huge framework involved into it, but there's also more freedom of expression in terms of decision making. Let me ask you about one player uh, in particular. He's a Leinster player, James Ryan. He's a giant of a young man. I, I think he's young. Is he 24, 25? Yeah, I think he's, uh, off the top of my head, he might be 25, I think, yes. Right. Now, I, I was struck by him, I don't, as, for, as people will have discerned, know much about rugby in a technical sense, but this guy's carries his strength and his appetite is remarkable. 
Yeah, he had something like 13 carries and 17 tackles. He was Ireland's leading tackler as well. Um, and, you know, against a big side like France, you you need a James Ryan in your pack. You absolutely do. He'd be yes. a huge loss. He probably doesn't have quite the footwork of some of the others, but he's also improved significantly in the Irish setup through the influence, I'm sure, of Paul O'Connor. He's had a brilliant, brilliant line-out operator as well. He calls the line-outs. He, if you think back to the Wales game, Wales came knocking on the door, had a penalty uh kicked to the corner, five metres out. There was still very much in the game. They'd just scored a try. The crowd were finally getting into the match and James Ryan reads the line out and is thrown up the air and wins and steals it from them. It's a huge moment in the match. So right. he is, he's always been like Dar's a standout player. Like um, he just came a couple of years before. The Porter and Ryan, uh, they were outstanding under 20 players, same way Doris was in his generation a year or two later. And Ryan was an Irish under-20s captain, and he, he jokingly had the nickname FIC, future Irish captain, because, and he will probably be the captain, I think he was. He actually was the captain for the end game there after, after uh, Sexton and um, Peter Romani went off. So he's a natural-born leader as well. Um, he, like Doris, had some concussion issues, which was a bit scary for him, I'm sure, and his family, which thankfully, touch wood, um, appeared to have cleared up. And he's come back in the last year and is playing as well as he's ever played. It's great to see. And he's, he was winning his 50th cap, Eamon, and he's right. only 25. Now, Paul O'Connell has been an addition. Uh, Paul yep. O'Connell, the great monster uh, yep. for, forward, uh, he's been added to the coaching staff by Andy Farrell. Um, he's a, a legendary player, and that that will help, will it? Because the big thing now is September of this year, the World Cup, in which um, if both countries do their stuff, we're due to meet France, I think, in the quarterfinal. Uh, and in that, in that respect, if that's true, you'll confirm that, Jerry. It'll be a replay of what happened on Saturday, except we'll be playing on French soil. Yeah. Firstly, O'Connell, um, he is more suited to the concentrated campaigns of Test rugby than he is to club or provincial rugby. He tried that before, and the unrelenting grind week to week to week yeah. with a young family didn't appeal to him. He walked away from it, and it looked like that was it. He was gone to Irish coaching, and he hadn't done much as an assistant coach. Yes. And yet, Andy Farrell brought him on board. I remember there was a lot of criticism of the time in some quarters and I just thought I remember calling it a stroke of genius this could be Andy Farrell's master stroke yeah. and I think like I said at the start of this the three key leaders drivers in all of this are Farrell O'Connell and Sexton and uh, apart from being a disciple of the Joe Schmidt time they really got on well from not knowing each other from coming from a former Leinster head coach and a Munster captain to being the Irish coach captain they built up a great bond over the years and um, over the couple of years that O'Connell worked with Joe and he became a disciple of the two-man clear-out, which I'm sure is hammered home's contact skills, coaching on the ground, I'm sure would be outstanding. He's a brilliant, brilliant student of the line-out. That's why he's made James Ryan about it. And the Irish line-out is outstanding. Um, and uh, heaven knows what else he brings to the mix as a profound influence. So Tyburn was saying before the match that he could easily, when he, he never sees O'Connell not on his laptop. And when he goes for a chat with him, you could easily spend two hours just talking about rugby with him. Yes. If, and, and that's happened. So you can imagine the intensity with which O'Connell and the devotion he would bring to his job, his work ethic would be off the charts. Uh, the yeah. work, just, you mentioned the World Cup, Eamon, very quickly. Um, France and Ireland, if one wins their group and the other finishes runners up. Yes they would meet in the quarterfinals. Ah, France are in a group with right. the All Blacks and an improving Italian side. 
So you wouldn't know. Ireland are in a very tough group with South Africa, the reigning champions, Scotland, who are the only other team who can now win the, the Grand Slam along with Ireland and are definitely on an upward curve, and Tonga, who will be dangerous. So they Ireland particularly have tough pool draws. But of course, the other thing is, I mean, if they both win their pool, they could meet in the final. Either okay. way, either way. <laughs> I know that's going that's going very and it's a long, long, long way away and it'll be interesting how yes. France react to this. But the point being in this World Cup cycle, if we're gonna look at it in that context, Ireland had lost three times in a row to France, including a big game last year in Paris, a monstrous game that yes. ultimately was a title decider, and this Saturday, last Saturday might well prove the same. They've been they are the standout two teams in the, in the competition. They are the two top two teams of the world ranking. So it would but Ireland needed that win more than France, because they yes. couldn't have gone to France in a World Cup in the back of my mind, knowing they'd lost four times in a row to France. they just, One of the reasons I really thought they would win it and I made a bit of money the weekend was, Eamon, you know when it's just time. You know, you've lost yes. your team three times in a row. It, Arden just needed more. They were at home, although you wouldn't have always thought so at times. There were so many French people in the stand, so much louder, were they? But they just needed that win more and they're fresher, fitter, more cohesive. It felt like their time to win that game. And it just means that France don't have that huge psychological edge over them should it come to pass that the two sides meet in Paris in the quarterfinals or whisper gently at the final. Okay, just a final question, Cherry. There was a, a bad incident in the first half when one of the French forwards put his shoulder on the head of an Irish player. He got a yellow card. Most observers felt it should have been a red. And there was the English referee, I think, was pretty notorious. The other thing he didn't do was send the Irish player for uh, an inspection. I think it's a... a HIA. HIA. Head injury assessment, yeah. Exactly. He didn't send the Irish player for that. The cloud over this... I I, I love rugby uh, at the highest level. I watch Leinster. I watch... uh, It's my secret vice. I watch... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, the, the, the cloud over the game to do with research that's showing now the effects of contact, head contact in particular. Is that casting a, a, a long shadow? Well, it is. And that was definitely, that, as I wrote at the time, it, it was a blight on the game. There's yes. no doubt about it. Because the world, this also comes at a time, Eamon, when World Rugby are issuing strict instructions to coaches, players and referees to clamp down on high hits. And there has been a rash of red cards as a result of it because rugby has to learn to bring down its tackle height. Yes. And if you look at Uni Antonio, leaving aside the fact that he's a very big man, six foot five and a half inches and 145 kg or whatever it is, he does not bend his knees. He does not seek to lower. I know it's very easy to freeze frame it and it's much more complicated. It's instinctive, instant reaction that players are doing that. It's all very easy replaying it on TV over and over again and judging them from, you know, the mountaintops of like... Yes. uh, It's very easy to do. But Uni Antonio got it wrong. He just timed it wrong. He didn't dip his knees. And everybody watching the game in the current climate, I said it, John O'Sullivan beside me said it, other journalists around me said it, listening to it again on TV, um, Hugh Cattle called it, Donald Lennon called it, everybody saw it the first time on TV in the stand, even the French fans would have thought that's a red card. It was extraordinary that Wayne Barnes yes. seemed to almost come out from a position where he didn't want to give a red card, and yeah. herein lies the conflict, Eamon, in that a lot of us watching this game would not want France necessarily to be reduced to 14 men for 50-odd minutes, because it yes. would have been 
we would never have had this great game. We would yes. never have had this conversation. I wouldn't be talking to you now. Um, it would have been the Irish win would have been completely devalued. But the bigger picture is player welfare and safety in the game, and that should have been a red card. And I hope that there is retrospective action taken. I hope Antonio is cited. Nothing against the fella at all. And I hope that Barnes has made, made very clear to my word Ruby that he got that one wrong because that can't be happening again in the Six Nations. It's just it's shop window stuff. There's over heaven knows about eight million audience in our, in France, a million ah oh, no, then you think of all the it's live and terrestrial television in the UK. Yes. This is this is like a huge shop window advertisement to the game and you just cannot have that. Okay, Jerry, we're very grateful to you for joining us on the stand today. Jerry Thornley is the Irish Times rugby correspondent, uh, a former colleague of mine in the Sunday Tribune uh, some time ago now. <laughs> Good old days. Where we both learned to deal with Vincent Brown. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Jerry. It's a pleasure to talk glad to you. Glad you're in. And Thank good you. luck. That's, uh, we're grateful to Jerry, to all of you for listening. That's uh, all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.